Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning, September the 29th, 2021. It is 7.02 on your Tucson morning. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. If you're looking for the live stream, you can find it on ESPNTucson.com. And you can also download the podcast daily and listen to the Jeff Dean Show at your leisure. Uh, Anywhere you you can download uh, your podcast. If you uh, enjoyed downloading other podcasts, you can find ours there as well. Amazon, Apple, Audible, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, All those outlets and uh, areas have the the, uh, podcast ready for you to download. We got a great show planned for you today, of course, as always we do. Uh, every Wednesday, we talk Cardinals football with our Cardinals insider, Tyler Drake, from Arizona Sports. That's coming up in just about uh, 25 minutes or so from now, 7.30 every Wednesday. We do that, talking Cardinals and a whole lot of news uh, surrounding the Arizona Cardinals as they have now gotten their second NFC Defensive Player of the Week award handed to them in the first three weeks of the season. Chandler Jones, of course, winning it for the uh, for first week. Of course, with his five-sack performance against Tennessee Titans. And uh, it was just announced about an hour ago that Byron Murphy uh, went to Saguaro High School. Of course, here in the uh, in the Valley, up, uh, up in uh, Scottsdale. He has been named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week for week number three for his two-interception, one-pick-six, multiple passes defensed, multiple tackles performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was awesome on Sunday for the Arizona Cardinals defense and uh, a well-deserved NFC Defensive Player of the Week award for him. So we'll talk about that and everything else. Arizona Cardinals going on at Cardinal Camp as they gear up for their NFC West Division uh, showdown this Sunday against the Rams in Los Angeles. So we'll uh, uh, we'll certainly discuss all of that with Tyler coming up uh, in just a little bit. Again, that's coming up at 7.30. We also have some a uh, little bit of Wildcat news to talk about. As they posted yesterday on social media, they're going to be having some open walk-on tryouts. And, of course, all of the wonderful fans and wonderful people out there in the world decided to make fun and have uh, poke jokes and uh, things at it. And, uh, personally, I think it's ridiculous that uh, that you do that because there are some very, very historical, historically good programs, some very storied programs who built a legacy on walk-on programs such as Texas A&M, Florida, Notre Dame. You may have heard of them. Um, They're pretty good programs historically. Uh, Those are uh, programs who take a lot of pride in their walk-on program, and I think it's great that Arizona is doing the same because, remember, one of the most celebrated members of Arizona's history in football, Chuck Cecil himself, was a walk-on. So please shut up with your stupid comments on social media um, about what a joke this team is and having open tryouts in this, uh, uh, you know, in this in the middle of the season and all that kind of stuff. Um, you you really you really sound like an idiot when you do things like that. To be honest with you, um, so <laughs> realize where you're at. Realize where the program is going. This is not like the team has 118 players on the team. This is not like we need help. Uh, we need walk-ons because we can't find anybody. Arizona has the number four recruiting class for 2023, uh, 2022 going in, uh, number four rated class in, in the Pac-12, and the number 29 rated class nationally. It's not The team is not looking for help 
by having walk-on tryouts. Okay, this is a very proud tradition in many other parts of the country, and uh, it, I'm glad that Jed Fish is bringing it here to Tucson and embracing the the walk-on uh, heritage and and the the legacy that has been built for so many other programs, great programs across the country, and their walk-on programs. So um, it's uh, it's here to stay, and I'm glad to see it. I was very 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 glad to see that post yesterday. I think that's awesome. Walk-on uh, having a walk-on a, a good storied walk-on program a a renowned walk-on program is a very prideful thing for uh for a college football program so uh get on board that's all i'm saying get on board poke your jokes if you will but whatever uh just know that that uh you know the people who understand the game of football and the landscape of college football think that you're a moron so there's my little piece and we'll move on major league baseball We'll start there today because the pennant race is, uh, it, I mean, it's its nearly done. We have a few more things still to decide here. The Houston Astros still have not clinched the West. The Mariners, who are red hot right now, uh, coming out of nowhere, essentially. They've won nine of their last ten and I think 11 or 12 of their last 14 or something like that. Uh, they, they've, done, <laughs> they've done a nice job of just blowing right past the Oakland Athletics uh, in the AL West nipping kind of at the heels of the Astros, although I don't think it's going to matter much. Seattle did get the win last night over Oakland, and the, the A's have been struggling a little bit recently. Uh, the Astros still waiting to get that division title in the AL West. And then what we had hoped would be a really, you know, uh, um, I guess, maybe, uh, not a changing of the guard. I mean, you always like to see these tight races for division titles uh, right coming down to the end right here at the, nearing the end of September, early October. And in the NL East, the Braves, who had a two-and-a-half game lead going into their three-game series against Philadelphia, if Philadelphia had won last night, and they didn't, uh, it would have made it a, a really interesting one-and-a-half game lead with two games to play against one another. would have made things a lot more exciting, except now today, as it stands, the Atlanta Braves had a three-and-a-half game lead and uh, six games to go, I believe, for the, uh, for the Braves. So it's not looking good for the Phillies right now and they will most likely be on the outside looking in. In fact, if the playoffs were to start today, okay, if uh, again, if they were just to start today, if season ended, you would have the Yankees and the Red Sox as your wild card teams in the AL. Your uh, champs would be the the Rays, the White Sox and the Astros. In the National League, your wild card teams would be the Dodgers and the seemingly cannot lose, we've forgotten how to lose a baseball game, St. Louis Cardinals, who won their 17th in a row last night. Absolutely unbelievable. Breaking the uh, National League record, formerly held by the, uh, the 1951 Giants and the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, 17th win, so a new National League uh, best for the, uh, for the Cardinals, at least in the modern era. I, there may have been a team in the National League maybe that won in like 1899 or something like that, but we're talking in, in the modern era from uh, World War II on, essentially. So the Dodgers and the Cardinals would be the wild cards, of course, then the Braves, the Brewers, and, of course, the Giants would be your uh, your champions. Now, the wild card round is going to be uh, it's scheduled for next Tuesday for the American League, next Wednesday for the National League. Those are those single-game elimination games. And I, I just I couldn't imagine... <laughs> the National League wildcard elimination game being between the Los Angeles Dodgers, who right now have 101 victories and will probably end up somewhere around 104, 105 most likely, 
playing in a one-game playoff against a team who had to win now 17 in a row, possibly 18, 19 in a row, to even get into the playoffs. That's just, I mean, that story is absolutely unbelievable for a one-game elimination. And then their reward after that is to go and play the number one team in the, uh, in the, in the majors in the San Francisco Giants, who right now have 103 wins. So the Giants, who still have two games left to play against the Diamondbacks, and they're going to be playing at home to finish out the season, may end up you know, around 107 wins or so by the time this thing is all said and done, which is, listen, it's absolutely incredible. I, I'm the PA announcer for the team in spring in, in Scottsdale, and when we were watching the team play this year and just kind of seeing the roster and stuff, I mean, you see them day to day. You get to watch the team play every single day. And, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, let's let's shoot for 500 this year. We know the NL West is going to be really good. Um, the, the Padres, we thought were going to be improved, and they were. Padres had some problems with injuries, um, couldn't get consistent pitching. And then once they realized that the Giants and the Dodgers were running away with the division, they kind of gave up. They started fighting with one another in the dugout and all that kind of stuff. It seems to me like the Padres kind of gave up a little bit on the season, um, just stopped playing really, really hard. Um, I mean, that, they're under 500 now. That's that's inexcusable for a team of their talent. You know, the Rockies, we thought were going to be okay. We knew the Diamondbacks were going to be awful. I even said in the preseason that I think this is going to be the worst team in Diamondbacks history. And as it stands right now, unless they win out, they probably will be the worst team in uh, in Diamondbacks history. They're short history, but the worst team in Diamondback history nonetheless. So, you know, the Giants were like, okay, maybe maybe 500. Shoot for 500. We know the Dodgers are going to be great. Padres are going to be really, really good. The Rockies could surprise some people. They've got some talent. They can win some games, especially with their home field advantage and all that. Uh, they still have one of the better home records in baseball. Their away record is god-awful. But then the Giants just, you know, they right around the 20-game mark, into the season, they had the best record in baseball and have only relinquished that for about two games to the Dodgers throughout the uh, the process of the whole thing. Just have pretty much owned baseball's best record from you know from the get go from the you know from the end of the first month essentially, which is really impressive. So, looking at the the you know the games that matter essentially coming up, you know we know that the Giants and the Dodgers have already clinched. We know who's already clinched. The series that we're going to be watching right now, Yankees and Blue Jays. Yankees beat the Blue Jays last night, seven to two, I believe, was the final score. Um, that's the that's the wild card race right there. I mean, that's uh, that's a huge matchup for them. Um, and then the A's, and of course, in Seattle, which I previously mentioned, and then the National League, the Phillies and the Braves, they're they're playing one another right now. The game last night, uh, a close game, but the uh, the Braves take the win, and now they have the three and a half point uh, three and a half uh, game lead in the East. So that one may be all but over unless the Braves somehow collapse and the Phillies can can find a way to uh, to get you know find some some ways to win some baseball games and stuff uh, just a a really interesting season though this year uh, you know I've I've enjoyed keeping track and watching this stuff and especially lately with the Cardinals just absolutely on an absolute tear just ridiculous 17 wins in a row um, you wonder how that will carry into the postseason can't you know how long can they keep this up they got to lose at some point, right? I mean, the major league record is 22. The Indians from from several years back. They've got to they got to lose at some point. So, if you're if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you're hoping like maybe you could like lose a couple of games here down the stretch in your final you know five six games. 
lose a, you know lose a couple here, two or three there, maybe split a series or something, and then get into the playoffs. Having okay, we got the we got the win streak up. We had to get the win streak to get into the playoffs. Now we're in. Now we're kind of back to normal, you know, playing normal baseball here. We've lost a couple of games here and there. You, you kind of hope that that's the case because I remember, oh, what was it? I, I can never remember the unterrible at timeline stuff. Like if you if you ask me, hey, what year did this happen? I'll be like, oh, it was that 2004, and I was like, no, that was 1984. Oh, okay, I was off a little bit. I'm terrible at timeline stuff. There was the year where the Colorado Rockies were in; they were like third or fourth place in the West. And they won 20 of their last 24 games or something like that. They, won, they had like two 13-game win streaks to someone in there. It was like some ridiculous number. Like they, they just went on an absolute tear. They lost two games over the span of a month and a half. It was insane. Um, they get into the playoffs. They have to do a one-game playoff against the Padres. And then that's the game, of, if, if you remember, where Matt Holliday scored the game-winning run uh, where he, he – Dove on to home plate, smashed his face on home plate because he didn't know how to slide. Matt Holliday was one of the worst, like, fundamentals baseball players. The guy couldn't slide into a base. He couldn't hook slide. He couldn't head slide. He was terrible. Uh, slams his face off of the dirt, like, scarring up his face and everything. To this day, Matt Holliday has still not touched home plate on that play. He still hasn't touched it. But the umpires called him safe. This is before... The, uh, the, you know, the times of, of replay and stuff, and the Colorado Rockies go on to the playoffs, and then, of course, they lose in the first round. But I, the, the one thing that I remember from all of that, not just the, the huge comeback and the ridiculous September that the, that the Rockies had, August and September, to even get in the playoffs, because they, like, they were under 500 at one point um, in that season. They just went on absolute terror, like the luckiest team ever. Um, the funniest thing was, though, was in the offseason, they made a commercial essentially parroting themselves about the uh, about Matt Halliday touching home plate. I'll never forget it. It was Clint Hurdle was the manager, and he's in the clubhouse, and it's this commercial for you know the Fox Sports Rocky Mountain or whatever the TV the TV network was. And Clint Hurdle, manager, sitting there in the clubhouse reading the newspaper. He's got his feet kicked up, and uh, there's a plate. There's a table in front of him, and on the plate on the table is like a plate of donuts, and there's a donut in there that's got a bite taken out of it. And it's just sitting on the plate. And uh, so Rockies players are walking by. They're like, hey, Skip. Hey, Skip. You know, hey, how's it going? Hey, Skip. Matt Holliday goes walking by, and he goes, hey, hey, Skip. And Hurdle puts the newspaper down. And he goes, Matty, do you touch that? And he's, like, looking at him. And Holliday's, like, looking at him. He looks at the plate, and, like, the camera, like, moves in the plate. And he's like, tell me you touched it, Matt. Did you touch that? Did you touch the plate, Matt? And he's like, yeah, I touched it. And he picks up the, the, the donut and walks off. Just funny stuff. Like, you know, th- those are – if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at, right? That was uh, that was always one of those things. I'm like, I remember seeing that commercial. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're clowning on themselves for not touching home plate in that playoff game. Like, they're acknowledging it. Like, yep, we didn't we didn't touch that. We know we didn't. <laughs> Got to love it. Got to love it. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll begin to transition into a little football talk, of course, Tyler Drake going to be joining us here in about uh, about 12 minutes or so. We'll be uh, we'll be talking with him about everything with the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, we'll start talking some college football as well as we gear up for Saturday. Arizona Wildcats on a bye week this week, but still plenty of things to talk about with uh, all things Arizona football. Join ESPN Tucson for the Roadrunners Fan Fest this Sunday, October 3rd. You can be there along with mascot Dusty from 9 a.m. to noon. It's going to be held at the Crossroads at Silverbell District Park in Marana. 
plenty of things for the family to do there. Food trucks, face paintings, bounce houses, obstacle courses, a dunk tank, uh, plenty of games and prizes to be had and won. And uh, you can get in for free with bringing a non-perishable food donation. So get your non-perishable foods together. Be, uh, you, you know, let's, let's, let's be generous this time of year, please. Get your free admission with a non-perishable food donation uh, this Sunday at 9 a.m. to noon. There's more information on ESPNTucson.com if you want to seek that out. More after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Wednesday morning on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. A quick look at some Wildcat stats as as it pertains to their ranking in the Pac-12 in those particular statistics, okay? Looking on defense, in yards allowed per game, Arizona is currently ranked fifth in the Pac-12 in yards allowed. ASU, number one, by far and away number one. They haven't played an offense worth a damn. There's probably a reason for that outside of BYU. Uh, They haven't played anybody that, that can move the football. Southern Utah, UNLV, and Colorado might be the worst of the three. Ain't doing it. So, yeah. There's a good reason why ASU is number one in uh, in yards allowed. When you get to real statistics, Utah, Washington, Colorado, the three teams that are ahead of Arizona in that uh, in that department. Arizona has not been good against the run. They're 11th in the Pac-12 against the run. Surprisingly, Stanford is worse. I I, I don't you don't see that very often. Uh, Stanford, the uh, the number 12 team in the uh, in the conference as far as rushing yards allowed per game. UCLA, number one in an astonishing 64 yards per game. Now, unfortunately for UCLA, their pass defense is going to set new all-time records in Westwood this year. That is one of the worst passing defenses I have ever seen. And I mean really, really bad. Uh, they are dead last in the conference in, in passing yards allowed. They're the only team giving up more than 300 yards per game in through the air and they're giving up like 330. <laughs> so, yeah, not good. Arizona, on the other hand, has been very good against the pass this year. And people can say, well, it's because they're so bad against the run. They are bad against the run, 191 yards per game. But they're only giving up 172 through the air. They're third best in the conference in uh, what you call receiving yards uh, per game. ASU number one, Utah number two, but Arizona number three right there with Washington, and Washington's got one of the best secondaries in the country, let alone just in the Pac-12. So uh, Arizona in good company right there as far as their pass defense goes. Now, other side of the ball, offensively, things have been a roller coaster. We know this. Passing yards per game, Arizona is fourth in the conference, 253.5 yards per game. USC number one, Colorado dead last. Uh, They have not figured out how to throw a forward pass in Colorado apparently this year. 85, 85. Folks, 85 yards a game. That's like Matt Nagy, Justin Fields-like numbers right there. So uh, Arizona currently fourth in uh, in passing yards per game. Arizona is 11th in rushing yards per game, only ahead of Washington. Um, Oregon State number one in the uh, in the conference. They've been phenomenal running the football with Jonathan Smith and that talented offensive line uh, that they've got there. So uh, Oregon State number one. But Arizona 11th now. They did certainly help themselves. This weekend against Oregon, they moved up and are averaging just right around 110 yards per game on the ground. 
it's it's workable. You'd like more. You'd like to be up above 120 yards per game rushing. That's kind of where that's the, the kind of the sweet spot of where you want to be. But 110 right now and gaining confidence is uh, I think it's going to be okay. I think most Wildcat fans will take that. And then total yards per game, Arizona sitting at 363 yards per game. That is good for uh, ninth in the uh, in the conference. Uh, sandwiched in between Utah and Washington State kind of right there. Um, and then there's a deep, deep, steep drop-off to Colorado, averaging 239 yards per game. That is abysmal. Um, I thought it was also interesting. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I just glanced at it yesterday uh, as I was just kind of going through some things, is the amount of eyeballs that have been watching games in the Pac-12 as far as, like, how you know, who's, who's seen the, uh, you know, wh- which team has seen the most people watching their games. Arizona's fourth in the conference in, uh, in essentially their ratings, the people, uh, the, eye, the amount of eyeballs on the game. Now, those did not include Pac-12 network games, which is fine because it's only going to raise the numbers for everybody by about 10,000 for uh, Pac-12 network games. But I was, uh, I was surprised and pleasantly surprised to see that those numbers were very high for Arizona. In fact, more eyeballs have been on Arizona games than on uh, the team from up north. So nice to be... Uh, ahead of them, and and look, people are watching Arizona football. Whether it's whether you've been enjoying it or not, people have been watching it. So that's a good thing. There's been plenty of eyeballs on Arizona, and the more eyeballs uh, that there are on Arizona and Pac-12 teams specifically, the more valuable that product becomes to a potential suitor in three years when they renegotiate with George Klyovkov. So uh, these are good things, and I know that numbers across the country have been a lot better. But uh, I think it's encouraging to see that teams like Arizona are uh, are you know sitting there in the top half of the Pac-12. It was I think Cal was the worst, and it was like like a like a ridiculously known low number. Like I think you know seven million people have watched Arizona games this year, or something like that, or six and a half million, seven million, four hundred and thirty thousand people total have watched Cal games. Which, yeesh, oh boy. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Of course, it's always good to know what the value of your conference, the value of your team is in the eyes of uh, television executives. Week four of the NFL is here. FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're giving uh, everyone a $10 risk-free bet every single week. And Thursday night is the perfect night to give that an opportunity a try. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay, an SGP. You'll hear me talk about them here as SGPs, uh, with three legs or more. And if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will still pay you back up to $10. Of course, this Thursday night's game, the Jags and the Bengals, a couple of young quarterbacks. I like them to both have big games. Now, Trevor Lawrence may throw a few picks, but I still think they're going to be throwing the football a lot. So I'm going to build an SGP with Joe Burrow's over yards. I like James Robinson to have some yards in that game as well. Give him, give me the over on those. And I like the over total points in the second half. I think both these teams are going to go off in the second half once they get a little comfortable with one another. Of course, FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. It features fast and easy payouts, safe and secure transactions, and the app is really, really easy to use. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can claim your 30-to-1 odds on either team to win Sunday night's game. The big reunion between Tampa and New England, Tom Brady going back to Foxborough. Just sign up with the promo code DEAN, and if your first bet loses, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. But make sure you use my promo code DEAN, my last name, D-E-A-N, and uh, cash in your 30-to-1 odds on either team on the Sunday night game today. 
21 and over in President Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires within seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlays available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. Coming up next, Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Your chance to win Monster Jam Nitro tickets coming up sometime before the end of the show. Be listening for your cue to call. Be like our other lucky winners we've had so far this week. Get yourself a pair of tickets to go see the Monster Jam coming up in uh, in just a little bit. Uh, that Monster Jam is this weekend. Joining us right now, it's time to talk some Cardinal football, as we do every single Wednesday at 730 here on the Jeff Dean Show. He is our Cardinals insp- insider with Arizona Sports. He is Tyler Drake, and he joins us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Tyler, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning. I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm great, thank you. Hey, have you ever been to one of those Monster Jams before? You know, I've been to one when I was in California, when I lived in California. I haven't been to one out here, but, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to love going to those things. Man, I love I, – I, I mean, I love going to – I remember going to my first one at, like, Veterans Memorial Coliseum back in the day, and Bigfoot was there, and I was just in awe. I couldn't believe, like, the amount of power and – and the, the the noise and stuff like that, and now these things are just like they're like nine thousand horsepower, and they're doing backflips and double backflips and stuff. Like it's amazing what they can do with these trucks. I just I I geek out for those kind of things. <laughs> oh yeah, it's awesome, man. Well, let's talk some Cardinal football. Um, I want to start with what was your immediate reaction when Kingsbury marched Matt Prater out there onto the field at the end of the first half. I liked it. I, uh, I I know a lot of people did not like that, but I think you, you put a couple quicker blockers out there, or you have one of the four people make the make a tackle that they should have made. That that return doesn't happen. So I think it's a good call. I think it puts points on the board. And I mean, in today's NFL, that's all you want is points on the board. And and you know why not give him a shot? He clearly had enough leg um, on his on his previous kick. So I I just yeah. I, I didn't have any problem with it. I thought, you know, yeah, definitely do that. Why not? Why not try for it? Yeah, but this isn't college. Like, you're not trying to race to 40 points here. This is the NFL. And if, if you're fighting a team and it's 7-7, you haven't played well, you just have to, you know, lick your wounds. You cannot give that other team life like that, in my opinion. You just it, it, was, it was a horrible decision. It was a nearly unmakeable kick. And I just felt like, I mean, you know, knowing – what I know from being on, you know, kick teams and special teams, stuff like that, like none of those out guys out there are able to run anyone down, and we certainly don't know how to tackle anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I get that side of it, but I think, you know, I, you know, you got to appreciate the aggressiveness instead of, you know, just saying, hey, we're going to go take it into halftime. I mean, they, they tried to tried to get some momentum going, and honestly, it went completely the other way, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I think they feel confident enough in, their, in themselves that they could come back from something like that if it were to happen, you know, kind of crazy like that. For the second week in a row, Tyler, people that are familiar with the team, familiar with the franchise, are saying that's a game the old Cardinals would have lost. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it last week. What's What's changed? What's different this year? You know, I think it's just maturity. I think it's just another year in that system of, you know, just especially on the offensive side. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, they would have. I, I, I guarantee you, like, the Lions game, perfect example last year, 2-0, going into that game. 
what happens? They lose to the winless Lions, which was just a just a weird game. And it, and you know, uh, this last week kind of had shades of that. I kind of had a feeling that you know it was, was kind of eerie. And then all of a sudden, they figured it out and, and got it done. And it just I think it just shows their maturity of of kind of sticking in with it and not sitting back and like, oh no, we just got scored on. We're we're not going to be able to do this now. It's more of all right, we got to lock in and get this done. Uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. I think just everyone's kind of growing together, growing in that offense, growing in the defense, and, you know, really buying in. Now, all that being said, I mean, they were they were down nine points to one of the worst teams in the league. And, you know, the Cardinals of yesteryear, of course, would have taken that, uh, you know, a, a trip to the East Coast and just fallen down and rolled over. But that being said, if they fall down nine points this Sunday to the Rams, their chances of winning that game are considerably less. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's what I said after the game uh, with one of our rapid reaction pieces. Uh, they can't do that to the Rams. I mean, they can't start slow. They can't really start slow how they've started every week. They've, I mean, they've got to come out yeah. just firing on all cylinders. Uh, that Rams team, you know, I was really questionable on them just because I didn't know how Matt Stafford was going to be in that offense, but holy cow. I mean, that they're really rolling. He's just what Sean McVay needed in that offense. I mean, makes the Jared Goff offense look just – like nothing compared to that so uh yeah they, i mean they really have to they have to really get on it really get those details down really get the little things figured out and and yeah they can't start slow at all with the, with the rams you know a lot of people are talking about how good that rams offense is and it is i mean don't you know don't get me wrong it's it's really good it's very crisp we know that sean mcveigh has a great history of coaching offenses extremely well but if you ask me the number one offense in the league is the arizona cardinals they're second in total yards they are, I think they're third in passing yards. They're over 110 yards per game rushing, and they're the top-scoring team in the league. So the Rams are going to have to figure out how they can try to keep keep up with this Cardinals offense. Yeah, 100%. And, and, that was, and what you mentioned, too, I mean, the one thing I could say about the Rams is their running games, the one, the one area that they're really not that great in. I mean, Daryl Henderson still – I mean, I think he's got two touchdowns on the season, but Cam yeah. Akers was supposed to be the guy, and he tore his Achilles before or in training camp, I believe. So, I mean, that's that's one area that I think the Cardinals' defense could, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm totally drawing a blank. Could uh, utilize, and then uh, for the other side, you know, yeah, that's the thing is is it's not just the juggernaut Rams going against Cardinals. It's the juggernaut Cardinals offense versus juggernaut uh, Rams defense and offense. So uh, it, it's going to be a big battle, big test. I mean, I, this is, I know the Tennessee game, everybody says that, that's already one of their big tests they passed, but uh, if they could pass this one, this, this, this is an SAT compared to a pop quiz. Tyler Drake, Cardinals insider with Arizona Sports, joining us right now. If you want to follow Tyler on Twitter, you can find him at at TDrake4Sports. That's at TDrake, the number four sports. And, you know, let's talk about the Rams' defense for a moment here. We all know, of course, Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in the league, one of the best players in the league, period. The Rams are good at every level, though. I mean, when you look at their front four, their linebackers, their secondary, they've got playmakers, they've got star power at each level, which makes them extremely difficult to to go up against. And it looks like with their new defensive coordinator that they're starting to work things out a little bit because they absolutely smothered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the biggest example I, I've been going back to is, I mean, they made Brady's 
even though Brady threw for over 400 yards, they they still put him in check. I mean, Brady was rolling. I, he had the most touchdowns in the league and went into that game. And, and yeah, they, they had an answer for him. And, and for most of that game, it looked like the Rams weren't – like there was no way that the Bucks were even going to come close to coming back. So, uh, yeah, it's, the Rams' defense is scary like it always is. Talk about uh, one of the defensive players for the Cardinals because the Cardinals, you know, three weeks into this season, they now have their second defensive player of the week in Byron Murphy, Scottsdale Saguaro product, of course, very proud of him as an Arizona high school player here. But he had a tremendous game, and he's really having a great season, his third year in the NFL, starting to really take shape. We were wondering when, if that was going to happen, and it appears that it has happened so far. Yeah, and I think him getting thrusted into more of that uh, that leadership role with Malcolm Butler leaving has helped him a lot too. You know, he's he's carrying himself a little bit differently. It looks like he's kind of got a got a little more pep in his step. You know, just really being that guy, really taking over as that guy, and it just speaks to the the work that he's put in and and everything else. Because yeah, he, the talent's been there. He's just had to had to put it all together. And and that Sunday was a perfect example of that. That's the best game he's had in his pro career. And uh, yeah, it's crazy to see the Cardinals have a uh, NFC Player of the Week every single year to, or every single week to start the year. That's, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's been really impressive. And, and, you know, Chandler Jones, of course, getting it the first week with the five sacks against the Titans, but has not shown up on the stat sheet really since then. Has it been scheme? Are teams doubling Chandler? What have you seen? What have you heard out of Cardinal camp is why he's been so ineffective in the last two weeks, essentially not ineffective in the way of, of he hasn't been playing well, but just has not been getting the numbers, hasn't been getting the sacks, the quarterback sacks like we saw in week one. Yeah, it just seems like that's kind of the thing. I feel like there's more, there's a lot more eyes on him. Obviously, when you give up five sacks, the opposing offensive line is going to have a lot more uh, a lot more tape to try to stop you. Uh, I think he's still like top five in, in sacks for the year, though, which is still pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, just one of those – I. I it seems like he's right there, though, still. It seems like he's like a uh, an arm short or like a hand short from getting a sack. So I, I don't think – I think his uh, drought is going to end here pretty pretty soon. You know, we talked uh, defensive snaps early in the season. We've mentioned it after week one of, you know, which players have had the most snaps on defense. And there was a lot of discussion of how much – J.J. Watt was going to be used in this defense. Would they kind of work him in slowly? Would they, you know, would they limit his uh, his snaps? And, you know, you and I both agreed that it was going to be difficult to keep him off the field. And lo and behold, there he is, 157 snaps on the season, fourth most on the defense. You can't keep the dude off the field. <laughs> no, no. And that's and, and there hasn't been any injury inklings or anything like that. So I think if, if he's rolling and he's in good shape, you let him go and – if you feel like I, that's the thing is, I mean, he's basically another coach out there. That's kind of how I've seen it. And so, uh, yeah, you let him roll out there when, when you can and, and just hope that he doesn't get hurt. That's the biggest thing. That's, that's the one thing I've said this whole year is this is a playoff team. If they can just stay healthy for the, for the, their key guys, if they got to make it most of the season. And if they can do that, they, they've got it. I, I clearly see him making a wild card if they can do that. It appears, Tyler, early in this season that if you want to motivate a player, draft his replacement because Jordan Hicks has been has had a fire lit underneath him. He is second on the team in defensive snaps. He had a sack on Sunday against Trevor Lawrence, and he has played just lights out since the Cardinals drafted Zayvon Collins and basically handed him the starting job. And Zayvon Collins has been staying on the sidelines. 
Tyler, are you there? We may have uh, we may have got a little uh, little loss of signal there. We'll uh, we'll try to get Tyler back uh, and see if we can we can finish the interview there. Sounds like maybe we have uh, lost connection. These wonderful cell phone connections, I tell you what, man, they are they are just glorious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we look at Jordan Hicks, 188 defensive snaps on the season. Zayvon Collins only only 75. When Steve Kime had basically promised the starting job to Zayvon Collins after he was drafted, and Jordan Hicks got upset, basically was demanding a trade, wanted to get out of here. And the team told him, like, just hang on. We want you to, you know, we want you to be around here. We, you know, we want you to be a member of this team. Uh, you know, all this other stuff. And and they, he's really balled out extremely well. So um, it's been a really impressive year for for uh, for Jordan Hicks. Uh, Tyler, do we have do we have Tyler back? Yep, I'm back. I'm back. There you are. Okay. All right. No, no worries. It's uh, you know, it's uh, all these wonderful cell towers competing with each other for uh, for dominance. Uh, my question was about Jordan <laughs> Hicks. You know, th- th- if if you want to if you want to motivate a player this year in the NFL, you draft his replacement. We've seen what Aaron Rodgers has done since week number one. He's looking like one again. You know, again, the best quarterback in the league. Um, Jordan Hicks. They draft his replacement, Zayvon Collins. They basically give him the job the day after he's drafted. Jordan Hicks is like, no, nah, I'm not down with that. And Jordan Hicks has played lights out. He's number two on the defense in snaps played. Meanwhile, Zayvon Collins has been spending most of his time on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it just speaks to the player that Jordan is, uh, and and just the person. I mean, he he came and talked to us, uh, I believe, after the uh, after week two, and and kind of explained, you know, that he he wanted to show his kids that this is what you do in the face of adversity, and how and this is how you respond to to you know when things don't really go your way. And and I think he's he's proving to be a really good role model to his kids and to a lot of other people just from how he's stuck in, how he's dealt with all of the talk, all the chatter, and, you know, has played as well as he has and is still being that mentor to, to the other guys that, you know, is, is paying dividends. I think how they've got it going right now with him playing a lot more, I think it's just going to show Zayvon kind of on the, on the job experience and, and just really help him grow as the year goes on. So, you know, it's, it's a weird situation, but it's actually working out, I think, for both sides better than a lot of us expected it to. Finally, how good is Isaiah Simmons? I mean, like I, I watched him. I watched him play on Sunday. He's. It's almost like there's two of him out there because you're like he lines up here and then he's making it. He, he lines up on the edge and then he's making the tackle where the middle linebacker would be. And then they put him in the middle linebacker and all of a sudden the next thing you know he's in the backfield wreaking havoc. He's just. He's so incredibly good. What are the coaches and like? What's the the, the team reaction to having Isaiah on that on that football team? You know, I, I think at this point everybody knows just how good and versatile this guy is. And, and yeah, like you said, he's everywhere. Everywhere you look, you, you can look and see it. Go out and see who tackled the receiver. Oh, it's Isaiah Simmons. Oh, who got to the quarterback? Oh, that's Isaiah Simmons. Who, who got a tackle for loss on the running back? Oh, Isaiah Simmons. Like, I mean, the dude, he, he's everywhere, like you said. I mean, and that's all you want on it as a, as a defense. If you could put him in multiple places and just – throw him around the field and let him be effective in every spot. That just, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty, uh, it's, they're, 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 they're doing right with how they've got him in the system right now. Let's just say that and, and how they're working and, and keeping him versatile and not keeping him just as an inside linebacker, I think is really big. More 
of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali tomorrow night for their Thursday night football live broadcast every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 6 at Native Grill and Wings in Marana, located on the southwest corner of Cortero and I-10 with over 40 television and 12 beers on tap. It is a wonderful place to go watch some Thursday night football action. While you're there, download the Native Grill and Wings loyalty app to get some special offers and promotions and check out their food and drink specials. But it's Thursday night football with Spears and Ali at Native Grill and Wings in Marana, home of the original Arizona wing. Technology is not our friend today, Apparently, we got cell phones going out. We got internets going out. We got microphones going out. We got all kinds of stuff. We got computers failing left and right. One of those days. Is it? Is Mercury in retrograde today or whatever they call it? Because people, I hear people talk about that. They're like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde. What? I don't even know what that means. Um, I don't even know what my horoscope animal is or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I don't know. Is this Mercury in retrograde a real thing? Does it cause all kinds of problems? Uh, is it, you know, was there a full moon or something? I don't even know. Something's going on. I apologize. So we are just having some technical difficulties there. It's not just us. It sounds like a lot of people are as well. Uh, thanks to Tyler Drake for, uh, for joining us there. I wish we could have finished off that, uh, that interview, but lo and behold, technology was like, nah, <laughs> you're good. You've, you've said enough. But uh, thanks to Tyler. He's our Cardinals insider. He's going to join us every single Wednesday as long as the uh, technology, as long as Cyberdyne systems uh, don't uh, revolt back against the Skynet and uh, take over the uh, the world by then. He's our Cardinals insider with, from Arizona Sports. He joins us every Wednesday at 730 to talk Cardinals, the uh, pregame rea- or the post, post-game reactions from the previous week, and then, of course, leading up to their new opponent in the uh, the week to come. So, we thank him for his time, and if you want to follow him, he's a great follow. If you're a Cardinals fan, Cardinals insider, NFL fan, whatever have you, uh, T Drake at four or at T Drake Four Sports at T Drake the number four Sports. That's where you can find him on Twitter, and uh, he's updating all the news and stuff. And uh, of course, a uh, good writer as well when it comes to uh, Cardinals articles and stuff like that. Check out his articles uh, on the Arizona Sports website as well. So we've got. Uh, a situation coming up on Sunday, Sunday night specifically, where a megastar player is returning to his home. He's having his homecoming, if you will, in the city that he won so many championships and received so many accolades. And when he goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he will be wearing a New England Patriots jersey, New England Patriots helmet, whatever have you. Um, He will always be remembered as a New England Patriot, regardless of what he does in the afterlife of Bill Belichick in New England. Tom Brady will be recognized as a New England Patriot. 20 seasons in New England with Bill Belichick, winning championships, winning titles, I mean, just, you know, breaking records. All those things can be said about him. But what is his return going to be like? Will the fans in Foxborough boo Tom Brady? Will they uh, – will, will they – be receptive to him? Will they give him a standing? We don't know. I mean, listen, if it's one thing that's really unpredictable, it's that the, how fans in Boston in the New England area are going to respond to things. They're, it's, a, it's a volatile fan uh, you know, area. They're, they're, they're very, um, how do you say, 
they're they're very uh, fluid with their feelings. Like they move from like glory and love to hate and disrespect in the matter of seconds. Like they will just turn on somebody rather quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how Tommy is uh, is is welcomed by the New England fans there. Uh, listen, I don't think I don't look I don't think any any former superstar should ever be booed unless they just did something on the way out that was completely out of line and disrespectful. Then you can boo that person. Uh, but I, listen, Tom didn't do anything. He just he was given the option to go to another team because the Patriots needed to move on. And his best option, as Bill Belichick said in his press conference, the best option that he had was Tampa Bay. And he cashed that in right away with a championship last year. And, of course, they're looking like a great team again this year. Took the loss, the early loss to the Rams. But you never know what's going to happen in the postseason, especially with Tom Brady. So uh, this thing is far, far, far from over. But coming up on the other side, how did other athletes fare during their big homecomings? I have a list here of some that were pretty notable and I think it'll be interesting to see where that fits in with how Tom is recepted, uh, received by the uh, by the Boston and New England fans there this Sunday night as they take on the Patriots. So keep an eye on that. We'll stick around. We've got a quick two-minute break. Then we'll be right back here for hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson. 